Good morning and greetings to each of you in Jesus' name. I got to do some shuffling. There may be some things that interfere. So anyway, it is a blessing to be here to share with you. It is always a privilege to be able to meet together with people that love the Lord. And the, the, the greeting, the fellowship, the Sunday school class, I told one of the guys, your all Sunday school class is just way too short for all the discussion that you have. And what, what a blessing to have that. And so it's challenging to me. And so I, I feel the Spirit of the Lord present with us today. And I'm hoping that as I share that that Spirit can continue to direct my thoughts, your heart, my heart, that we can grow in grace and in what God has for each one of us. The title of the, me the message this morning is as clay in the hands of a potter. And I'd like for you to turn with me, if you will, to Jeremiah chapter 18. Reading the first couple of verses there. Jeremiah chapter 18 verse 1 says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. And then, then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. I want to stop and just look at those verses just briefly. God spoke to Jeremiah. It says, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord. And this word said, get up, arise, and go down to the potter's house. And I will cause thee to hear my words. And so this morning, you got up, you arose, and you might not be at the pottery shop, the potter's house, but let me tell you something. You are here to hear the word of the Lord. And you know, that is sobering to me because this word is precious and I am but a leaky vessel. And so as I share this morning, I share as a vessel that is imperfect. But this second verse says, Arise and go to the potter's house and there I will cause thee to hear my words. And what did this man do? He got up. He went. And when he went to the potter's house, he saw something going on. He saw the work of the potter. He saw the vessel. And he saw that this vessel was messed up. Now, I want you to think about this. We as beings are fearfully and wonderfully made. And yet we are imperfect beings. And am I saying in that that God doesn't know what he's doing? No, absolutely not. God is the perfect potter. But what I mean in that is 
that we are a work in progress. One step at a time, one day at a time, one experience at a time, we are being perfected by the perfect potter, God, as we allow him. As we arise and go to the potter's house, as we go to hear his word, we are being perfected. I want you to turn with me, if you will, to Genesis just a little bit. Genesis chapter 3. In the beginning, we know that God created man in his image. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. And we see in this garden something beautiful, something created. We also see man created in God's image, a perfect being. And yet we also see the happenings of the event of that time. And that was this perfect garden, this perfect creation it was marred. Was it marred by the hand of God? No. This creation was marred by choice. Verse 6 of Genesis chapter 3, it says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. They had a perfect environment. They had direct instruction from God. And yet when they saw that tree, it appealed to them, to her specifically. It was pleasant to the eye. It was good for food. And it was a tree that was desired to make one wise. And it says, She took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. They were marred. These, these, this vessel, these vessels that God created out of the dust of the earth were marred by sin. They were marred by the lust. They were marred by the sin of disobedience. And then sin has ever been the lot of each one of us since that fall in the garden. It says in Romans chapter 5, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned that's each one of us one man Adam the sin entered into the world and we died the human race died and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned it doesn't say some doesn't say a couple it says all in Psalm 51 it says behold I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Sin is ever our lot in life. We have that sin nature. We don't have to teach our children to be bad. They have that nature in them. We have to teach them the ways of God to be good. And that 
takes work. I brought some things along. I hope you all like stories and object lessons. In that Garden of Eden, God created that being. And God got his hands dirty when he did that. This is red clay. That was a clump of red clay. This came from our farm where my mom lives. We have a clay bank there. And it is really good red clay. And if you want a good building pad or you want a good foundation, this red clay is what we would use. We would dig that out and lay it down as a foundation. But you know what? It has some impurities in it. It has some little stones. It's got some organic material. It's got some little, like, I don't know if they're quartz shards in it. But if you'll look in this bucket, it's all kinds of different things. And uh, when I took the lid off this morning, there was actually a small little plant, greenhouse effect, growing right along the edge from this. God started out with raw material. He started out with a lump of clay. And He formed man out of that lump of clay. And I don't know if you can imagine God taking this clay and forming a being and seeing that being, that corpse, laying there on the ground, created in God's image. And then it says, God breathed into that being the breath of life. And I can see that being laying there and God leaning over after he's finished stretching out the arms and the legs, forming the trunk, putting that mop of hair on its head. And then I could see God leaning over that being and resuscitating or giving life. Breathing into that being the breath of life. Now, we went to a viewing the other evening the other day and there was a man laying in the casket there was no breathing going on and if you would have felt his hand or his face you would have felt something that would have been very much the temperature of this clay right here But I can imagine God leaning over and breathing into that being and seeing that chest rise and seeing those eyes come open and seeing Adam sit up. Wow. But God started with raw material. As a potter starts with raw material, he needs to have some of the very foundational things. And in order to use something like this, you have to 
clean it. You have to get rid of some of the impurities. It has those rocks and sticks and other material. And in order to make this clay into a workable material, it needs to be cleaned and the impurities taken out. Now, there are different ways that you can do that. Again, I'm not a potter. I read some of this. I would love to take a pottery class someday, but I haven't yet. But one process is to completely dry it. And this is, this is fairly dry material. Uh, when I did take the lid off, there was moisture on the lid from condensation. So there is some moisture in here, some impurities. One process is to completely dry it and then grind it into powder and make it into a certain powder-like consistency. Another method is to mix water with this and make it into a gooey slurry, actually more than gooey, but into like a water, watery substance and then run it through a screen or a filter to get rid of those larger particles. But either way, whether it's ground or whether it's run through a screen, it, is, it takes work to get it to a point where you can use it to make a usable product. And guess what? Each one of us are just like this clay. We have these impurities in us. We have, we're born with this sinful nature, as I shared earlier. And we need to be ground or sifted to get rid of these impurities. And after this clay is ground or sifted, some things are added to make it more workable, to make it more useful. And as I shared with you earlier, our children, we mold them, we make them, we add to them. And so this morning, I took some of this fine ground clay and I added something. Water. I didn't add some of the other materials yet. This right here was just like that this morning. It was fine sifted clay and I added water now I don't know if you know I don't know if you know that what happens oh, Bradley I'm prepared okay. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for being proactive that's what I was arranging down here before I don't know if you've ever walked on a chicken house pad or a pad that had Clay, red clay. Now that stuff is not packed extremely tight. And when you walk on that stuff with moisture, it tends to add up and clump up. And you get taller <laughs> as you walk on that stuff. And as I made this ball of clay this morning, I had to get my fingers into this dry dirt with some moisture. And guess what happened to my hands? It built up and built up. And it wasn't just a little dirt on the palm of my hand, but it was mud that was caked on the inside of my fingers. I had to get my hands dirty to even get started in preparation. I see God 
informing mankind out of the dust of the earth, getting his hands dirty, to form a being in his image for his glory. But after this clay is ground and sifted, it has things added. Sand added to this will allow this molded vessel to dry more evenly, to make it exclusively with clay, just like that. It would crack up. It would dry unevenly. And it would be useless. But with sand added, With sand added, it distributes that moisture a little more evenly. But each step, each additive, brings this lump of clay, this pile of dirt, a little bit closer to what the potter wants. Each step, each step in our lives as Christians, growing up in Christian homes, our parents start this process of additions, of additives in our lives, our children's lives. And it starts from birth. You don't have to teach a child to cry when they're hungry because that's how they communicate. And then as they get older, you don't have to teach a child to bite or kick or anything else because by nature they learn that. Do they learn that from parents? God help us if they do. <laughs> but I don't think they do. It is that nature that we need to work with, that we need to add and to mold in each of, our, each of their lives, teaching them to be kind, to be honest, to play nice, to obey God, to worship God, and many other disciplines in life. And children, you all know these verses oh so well. I don't know if your parents quote them to you often. But children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Deuteronomy 6, it says, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt, now this is to parents, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. These additives, this molding continues as we interact with our children. But as we interact with one another, more is caught than taught, people. Your, your children are going to be a mirror image of you and your husband, your spouse. They're going to pick up even the failings of me as a parent. We hope that they pick up some good things along the way. But, sad to say, I just remember when our children were younger just before they were going to school, I heard one of them say a phrase, and I said, well, he said that? That came out of my mouth. More is caught than taught. But these additives, this molding continues. 
And it continues on as we interact with others in school, in our church, in our communities. And then as we get to the age of accountability, we hear the voice of God. And I know that you will hear the voice of God. How do we respond? Hopefully we can respond in a positive way. Psalm 119 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Hopefully that spirit, when it speaks to your heart, we can respond in a positive way. And that molding of this foundational dirt, these additives can continue even in a spiritual way. I'd like for you to turn with me, if you will, to the New Testament. In, chap in Acts chapter 2. These were men and women. This was Peter preaching and the Spirit of God speaking. And when the Spirit of God spoke, how did they respond? In verse 37, it says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are, are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. And they responded in a positive way. Verse 41 says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Are we allowing God to prick our hearts? Are we allowing that Holy Spirit to work in leading us in truth? Just like this opening text in Jeremiah, God is calling. It says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. We are in the potter's house today. We're not making pottery here, but we are making vessels for the master's use. Can you hear his voice? It is speaking loud and clear through his word. Can we hear his voice? <clears throat> I made this. Again, I don't have a pottery wheel. I just molded a lump of clay like this and put some additives to it and then I formed this very rough <laughs> vessel. It took some, dirty getting, some, some hands getting dirty. It took a time of drying. After a vessel is formed and dried, it's trimmed up and cleaned up. And so this vessel, when I first formed this vessel, it had some rough spots and it still is not extremely smooth, but it had some rough spots. 
And after a vessel is formed, it's trimmed and cleaned up. And so they take a tool, kind of a blunt tool, but with a sharp edge, and they will take this and they'll scrape it across the rough edges, the sharp spots, to smooth it out. And then they'll take either a wet cloth or a sponge and they'll rub it around to smooth off the rough spots and the edges. Because if you were to fire this with those rough spots, with those sharp edges, those sharp edges would become like a knife. And it could cause damage to the one that's holding something like this. You've heard the old adage, they've got, <laughs> they've had a few rough edges. Well, I've had a few rough edges. And I'm glad through life that some of those rough edges were rubbed off or even scraped off. And in my life, in your life, we tend to have those sharp edges, those things that stick out, those things that are noticeable, those blemishes, the marred vessel. What do we do with that? And as we live life, we tend to have some of those rough edges rubbed off. You've heard the phrase, uh, they've got their feathers trimmed. <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes we need our feathers trimmed. Sometimes we need the rough edges rubbed off. And as we grow and mature, it do usually happens. Sometimes it makes us better. Sometimes it makes us bitter. But I encourage you that if we follow God's plan and allow Him to mold us, we can become better servants of His, a better vessel used for His glory. Proverbs 27, 17 says, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Have you ever had someone to come to you and say, Brother, sister, I see this in your life. It's that sharp edge rubbing off the sharp edge. It's like the rock being rolled down the riverbed. You don't see too many river rocks with sharp edges because they have been rolled through the turbulent water, banging against one another. And what do you have are smooth, rounded edges. These rocks picture as a brotherhood rolling down the life's turbulent river together, banging against one another, working with one another, getting rid of those rough edges. Life is a work in progress. Just like this clay, getting rid of the debris, the rough things, the, the rocks, this lump of clay, starting the molding process, this little vessel handmade and allowed to dry. We live and hopefully we learn and we can pass on the knowledge that we have from before, the experiences to encourage one another. After this piece is molded and trimmed and softened, it's fired. And I was surprised to find out. Now this has not been fired. But I was surprised to find out 
that a piece of pottery is placed in a kiln and the kiln is something above 1800 degrees. And so this pottery, this vessel, goes through an excessively heated process. And I know that if you have lived any amount of time in life, you've probably gone through some time or another where there was a great amount of heat applied to your life. And sometimes we feel like we are put to the ultimate test, that the heat is way too much. But take courage, people. God is not done yet. And I'm thankful that God is still working on me because I am yet a marred vessel in the hands of the master potter and he is still perfecting and making and softening and scraping. And even through some of the tough times, through some of the excessive heat of life, it's not always easy to face that heat. And yet, if we can face it and find victory, knowing that God will see us through, what a blessing. In James chapter 1, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Skipping down to verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, that endureth the fire. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. It's an imperfect vessel. But being perfected by the, by the master potter, the perfect potter. And then if you have something that is done more by a professional, a piece of pottery, it looks something much better than something done by someone unskilled. God is molding. God is making. And God uses different decorations for his vessels, for his glory. This is me. This may be you. Or this may be you. But wherever you are in God's process, God wants to mold you into a vessel for his glory. Revelation 3, verse 18, it says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open that door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. And to him that overcometh will I grant 
to sit with me in my throne, even as I also also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. God is calling you to the potter's house. God, the master potter, can take this dirt wherever you are in the process and he can add some things to you and then he can form you and fire you and decorate you. God, the master potter, can take this old lump and make it into something beautiful. He needs to rid us of those impurities. He has to mold us into a usable vessel. He uses people and experiences then to smooth out those rough edges, to take us through the fiery trials, to perfect us, to make us a usable vessel. Second Timothy, it says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. He builds from a foundation. The foundation for you and I is just dirt molded by the perfect potter. The foundation of God is His Word. It says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having the seal. The Lord knoweth them that are His, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Get rid of the impurities. Let it be ground to powder. Allow God to see those impurities and to grind your life into a powder and then add some of those things that can help us to be molded and made into a vessel that may be crude at first, but in the end can be a beautiful piece. For God's glory, not for ours, but for the glory of God. But in every great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these things, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. And it says in 1 Timothy 4, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. So whether we are in the process or a lumpy vessel or a more mature, more perfected, more beautiful vessel. And maybe we are some exquisite piece. May we be molded and used by the master potter to the glory of God and His Son, Jesus Christ. May God give us the courage to be used, to be molded, 
to face the fire to perfect us for his glory. Lord bless you.